Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and the Checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting types of things we're going to be talking about today in this market. We're really going to dive into the dollar and what it means beyond the story of the dollar. We're going to go deeper into that. Also taking a look at what's happening export-wise. We know it has been extremely slow and quiet, but there might be some things that we as producers can watch out for that might be some telltale signs of world happenings. We're going to find out about that and a whole lot more of this crazy first week of October right here. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me on the screen, Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners and Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. And to say it was an interesting trading week, I think is just putting the the tip of the nail on this trade numbers because we saw volatility throughout the week. And I think to start out with Jeff, I wanted to get your spin to start with as to what we saw a kind of weighing in on this trade. What was your biggest takeaway from this first week of October? Well, I think as we come in, I mean, it's it's the classic battle that kind of sets up this time of year of supply versus demand. And, and you've got the supply and, and we know we've got our crop report coming out next week. So everybody's trying to, you know, sort out where they want to come in at, where they want to be positioned as we see some people talking about a bigger yield. Most of the analysts are still talking about smaller yields for corn and beans. And then you flip it over on the other side and you say, okay, it looks like we're going to have some pretty good demand. And then we continue to stay dry. And as we stay dry, we continue to have, um, you know, the problems that we've seen in, in getting the bushels moved and getting them moved on down to the Gulf uh, through the Mississippi River. And, and then we continue to, to have that concern coming out of the Russia-Ukraine war that creates that overall uncertainty across the whole world. And, and those are the, some of the things that uh, we're kind of seeing the highlights of as we, as we end the week, Susan. Sean, for you, what was kind of the, the tip of the iceberg for you? I really think we're heading for another one of these Fed meetings, the last two have been disastrous for asset markets. Um, the market went into them thinking the Fed was going to pivot or at least pause. And they came in and said, we're not doing anything but doing more, more, more. So I think everyone is really gun shy. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some liquidation ahead of this particular meeting. Um, because the last communique they put out at the last minute, he was so strong about it. he doesn't care how much pain there is. He's going to keep doing this. And I think the market's going to be really on guard for that. And so I think that's going to be on the minds of most going into that meeting on top of other factors that were just discussed. And you and I had talked uh, earlier too this week about what happened with the uh, jobs numbers and seeing a, a nice jump there. Well, look at today. We had strong numbers. Unemployment came down. It says the Fed is all, you know, all systems go for the Fed to keep doing what they're doing. The, the stock market got hit hard. The dollar started to rally again. And so, you know, this playbook keeps happening. He was in at some point, we're going to get to the end of it. Um, but after his talk or his communique last month, it doesn't look like we're quite there yet. And that's going to continue to, we call it the whack-a-mole market, where every time we try to pick our head up in these markets, this whack-a-mole hits them back down because of this tightening monetary policy. Well, that whack-a-mole, Jeff, is definitely happening. We look at the dollar, but you want to talk a little bit deeper on this dollar story. And then I want to follow that up with, with Sean, with the dollar being tied to these exports. 
Yeah, it is interesting, Susan, as we dig in, you know, we talk about the U.S. dollar index. That's what always gets talked about. And, you know, that's just uh, starting first with what is that? Well, it, it gives us a way to, to see how the U.S. is, is valued against a, a basket of other currencies. And if you break that down, um, what's interesting about it, so you got to start to get at the top of the list is a euro and it's weighted at 57.6%. Then you've got the yen, Japanese yen at 13.6%, British pound at 11.9%, Canadian dollar at 9.1%, the Swedish krona at 4.2%, and the Swiss franc at 3.6%. And so, but when we start talking about the demand as it, as it relates to commodities, we, we need to say, okay, that's important, but how does it compare to say a year ago? And, and we know that the the index, the dollar index is up 19.8%. So at, at first look, it's like, wow, this is really bad. Um, strong dollar, but it gives us a headwind as we're looking at our exports. But then we have to say, well, this time of year, what are we concerned about? Well, we're concerned about being able to make really a lot of sales and get stuff moved to China. So as we dig in to look at, but how does the US dollar compare to really the Chinese currency, uh, the renminbi, or some people call it the yuan. Um, what's interesting is we're only up about, compared to a year ago, about 10.6%. And so it doesn't look as bad as when you talk about the index. But then we say, well, but who's a competitor of ours that also has interest in selling to, to China, but not quite now, a little bit further down the road? Well, that's Brazil. But And when we take a look at the Brazilian real versus the Chinese um, renminbi, uh, what you find there is that actually the real is strengthened about 17% versus uh, the renminbi. So as a result, you know what, they, they, they've they got a, a bigger headwind going on than what we have. Then you have to come back and say, now where's our golf basis levels? Where are our PNW basis levels? Where are the bushels being offered out at? But but I, I, I really just want to make sure everybody understands, just don't get so focused on that U.S. dollar index. Focus on the individual currencies that are our competitors and also the individual buyers of our products, Susan. Which kind of brings me into continuing the question with Sean as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. You and I talked about this whole story uh, with exports, and I know it's definitely been on the quieter side, but you brought up a need to kind of keep an eye on the movement. Well, one of our theories and theses is, is that one of the reasons that this dollar has been so strong in aggregate is because capital has been fleeing Europe because of the Euro, uh, Russia, Ukraine situation. And now there's this escalation that it appears that maybe Vladimir Putin has been backed into a corner. And now there's talk there might be some kind of a nuclear option that is put forth. We think possibly this strong dollar, which has been a headwind, could turn into a tailwind. And what I mean by that is the more capital flees Europe, it's telling you that the market's getting more worried about an escalation of this of this regional conflict into a global conflict. And if that happens, Susan, then everyone worries about fractured trade flows, um, significant increase in government spending, money printing to fund the war. And I would be looking for U.S. exports to surge in advance of an escalation, kind of like they did before Russia invaded Ukraine. We saw a significant increase in exports the prior month or two before that actually took place. And so I think that would be a very, very clear sign that despite a strong dollar, if we see those exports really start to pick up, it's telling you somebody knows something is about to happen and we should really be paying attention to that. We could get this dollar strength to flip to actually being a more inflationary story than it's been in the last few months. 
And Jeff, that kind of follows back around to everything that's been going on with China, with with pork and with, with soybean imports. It kind of paints another picture. Yeah, it does. And, and it, that is interesting to look at, Sean. And I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, right now there are a lot of people worried about the demand side. But something we have to think about is it, coming out of the export sales numbers that we ended up having yesterday. Something we have to remember is aggregately or cumulatively on soybeans, we look at all commitments, we are up 4.5% compared to where we were at this year. So ultimately, even though we've had some of these headwinds in place, we do still have exports on the books. The export inspections have been slow and could be a little slow, but I guess down the road, I, uh, we're looking for some stronger exports also. So I, I can see what you're saying there, Sean. Want to look at uh, as well, Sean, because uh, for folks that don't know, you have got some strong expertise when it comes to the dairy industry. And as we here in Nebraska and to, to our viewers in, in the upper Midwest involved in the dairy industry, there's some interesting things happening within those numbers as well right now. Well, 20 years ago, it used to be that the dairy market, all you had to do was analyze the domestic market and you would get it right. We are now in an international dairy market. The, it is a market that you must analyze everything in the world, not just what's going on. And we're, what we find right now is that um, there's a lot of bearishness in the dairy parlor because we're seeing excess production for cheese specifically. And that's making people think that this dairy price is going lower. Yet, when I look over to Europe, when I look over to New Zealand, production is down for six quarters in a row. Um, I look at Chinese demand starting to pick up significantly and remember, if you're making more cheese, Susan, you're making less butter and less powder. It's the powder, the milk powder is what China really wants. We think that the market is looking too much at the local market, and we're pretty optimistic uh, that we're going to see some better demand side figures coming from them. We're already seeing that in GDT uh, auctions here in the last couple of weeks. And so I'm optimistic we're going to see some better prices into the end of the year, despite what appears to be some bearish local fundamentals. All right, Jeff, it is dry here in the Western Corn Belt. Uh, we definitely see that on the Mississippi River, see it on the Missouri River as well. What are you thinking? You know, it, it is a concern. Um, we know that uh, right now we look like we're going to go into a third year of La Nina. Right now, as we look at it going through, say, November, you know, 91% chance that we stay, at, stay in the La Nina state. And then um, even as you reach out further in the first part of the year, Ultimately, you've got a chance of still La Nina hanging around at about 54%, even out that far. And so as we take a look at some of the challenges that, that, that's causing, I'll step first out and take a look at Argentina. Argentina's having some problems getting stuff planted um, as a result of that. But as we come back here in the U.S., we know that that's a concern as we relate to the amount of subsoil levels. But as far as the shipments going down the Mississippi River, that's a concern. There's two things on that that's a concern. One, we know is they're shipping, trying to ship uh, the bushels down to the Gulf. We know that, you know, from October through December last year, 42% of ultimately all the bushels that went actually to China actually came out of the Gulf. And as a result of that, we, we know we're having to physically put less basically barges in the toes, reduce that from 36 down to 25. We're also having to reduce the amount of draft and so that because of the problems they're having with the navigation, and each time you reduce a foot of draft, that's about 6,666 bushels on a barge, Susan. 
All right. Well, great conversations with you guys again. Not as deep and, and sad as I thought it was going to be when we initially started. Appreciate both of you joining us today. And as we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.